Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the premiere episode of Pixel Play Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Kalen, a.k.a. Catastrophe, and my host, Adam, a.k.a. CS Radical. Uh, this is the first ever episode of the Pixel Play Podcast, and in this episode, we are going to be talking about our first impressions regarding the PS5, the Ubisoft new Star Wars game that's just been announced, as well as what it's been like gaming in what is now this new quarantine. Um... So as I said, I am your host, Kalen, a.k.a. Catastrophe, and my co-host, C.S. Radical. Um, thanks for joining me today, uh, Adam. How's everything going with you? I mean, I, I don't. I, I immediately have to take issue on this first episode with what you're talking about. This new quarantine that you're talking about, what is nine months new to you? Well, I mean, if you're not familiar, I don't know if you've like opened the paper. We've got this thing going on. Uh, COVID-19, I think it is. I may have um, and Googled yes, it once. You know, it's, if, you're, if you're not wanting to read the paper, you know, it's easy for it to slip by, especially with everything that's been going on in 2020. But yes, uh, we here in Ontario are in a new quarantine. Not the same thing as the old quarantine, though it looks a lot like it. Uh, so yeah, today we're going to be talking about how that affects, um, how our gaming has been affected by this quarantine or all of the ones that preceded it. Um, first off, before we get started, I just wanted to kind of see, Adam, you managed to get your hands on a PlayStation 5. I did. Yeah, so how are you liking it? Um, it, it's, it goes both ways, right? Because, I mean, a lot of people are probably sitting there being like, oh, man, you must be really enjoying, like, Demon Souls or whatever. I'm like, actually, I've been mostly playing PS4 games on my PS5. Um, I, I, oddly enough, I haven't even got a chance to get at Miles Morales yet. I've been waiting to console share with a friend of mine who also has one, so I've been waiting on that front as well. So, like I said, most of what I've been doing has been PS4. I mean, it would have been Cyberpunk, but uh, obviously that's an issue in itself. So, most of my experience just comes from, like, Astro's Playroom and Bug Snacks if it comes to, like, PS5 exclusives. And otherwise, it's just, you know, that SSD power just walloping through. Like, I'm currently playing a JRPG that's notorious for frame rate skips and massive loading screens in between cutscenes. Not a problem anymore. So, there's an immediate thing right there. But realistically... It's Astro's Playroom. God damn, I'm so happy that game is free for everybody because like that two hours basically made me go, oh, that's what the future is going to look like with the way the controller works and the sound and everything. Like, man, that's that's the stuff that made me go, okay, this was a good investment. It's just a damn shame that there's not too much else to enjoy on it unless you're very specifically like interested in like a Souls game. Absolutely, yeah. I think putting in that Astro's Playroom as a free game slash, you know, tech demo brilliant choice i think the fact that you know it's one of those things that if they had charged for it the price would have been you know to charge it would probably be way too much and it would have been one of those games that would have been overlooked when you look at things like min souls or miles morales um and i think you're right just the love the care the nostalgia that's you know in that game is you know it makes it something special and something that i think would have been overlooked had it been released as its standalone game and it's such a great presentation. I mean, you get a friend over who, you know, maybe doesn't have a PS5 or maybe never even gotten into PlayStation. And you say, hey, you know, get this game, check it out. It instantly sells you on, hey, here are the cool features of um, of the PlayStation 5. Now, in terms of the features, like what is it that's, you, you mentioned the SSD. I know for me, one of the big things is uh, the DualSense. I didn't really have a lot of familiarity with it. We obviously didn't get our hands on it uh, until it released. And Honestly, it surprises me. Like the haptic feedback, the pressure on the triggers, it's a cool little feature, and I'm really impressed with how much it changes it. Um, I felt my fingers had to get a little used to it when I was playing Miles Morales, and I was getting fatigue in my fingers from just constantly. Oh, trying dude, to push my hands those, went numb the first skills. like ten after like ten fifteen minutes of of uh, Astros. I legitimately my hands kind of like numb for a minute because it's not used to the shaking. Oh, for sure. And I think that's something that us as gamers, we don't get very often anymore. I mean, we don't have the, we've got that muscle memory now for, and we don't get a lot of things new that kind of challenge us and make us kind of, you know, present some new. And for us to have those muscle memory and those issues, it's something cool that shows like this is new and this is exciting. Um, you are right, you though, about, just, um, you are right about, though, about the DualSense being a key thing. Like now that I've held it, I've seen a lot of people ask me about it who still own a PS4. It's like, okay, at least tell me what the controller is like. And every time I say, dude, I don't think I can go back to use it. Like I still use, um, I still use my normal PS4 controller for like PC play, but even then, like mm. I'm sitting there playing, being like, I really want to use my DualSense, 
but I also don't want to like screw up the connections between my PS5 and redoing it to PC. So it's like, screw it. I know Steam can do DualSense, which is a freaking amazing thing. And the fact that they're doing all these fixes that they can actually like possibly use the rumble feature on PC games, which I'm like, dude, PC gamers are really going to like suddenly think twice about mouse and keyboard if they get to have a, like fully rumble features in their PC games. That would be incredible. But otherwise, yeah, no, like the controller itself feels like just a little bit extra weight to it, which gives that extra like you feel like you're actually holding something that you can't like immediately slip out of your hands and throw across the room for, like the one time you like shake your hand a little too hard. It does feel like it's got some heft to it now, which is something it, it's been needing it for a while. It does. And, you know, I mean, it's not the best battery life in the world, but considering what it's bringing to the table, uh, I'm kind of impressed with it. It's certainly doing much better than what um, the DualShock 4 was doing. And I was a big fan of the DualShock 4. I was kind of, before I got my hand on the DualSense, I was kind of dreading and, you know, I don't want to give up my DualShock. I, I really liked it. But now that I've used it, it's definitely something that I've forgotten. And now I'm all about the DualSense. Uh, you mentioned Astro's Playroom. Um, what other, have you played any other PS5 you know, exclusive or launch games. Aside from Bug Snacks, no, I haven't. I've been waiting for because I'm I'm a pretty cheap gamer, so I've been waiting quite a while for uh, for Miles Morales. Although I think I might get that for free just from the console sharing feature. Whenever I get around to that with one of my friends, um, Demon Souls is a big one that I don't even know. Even if even if it's like half price, I don't think it's good enough for me because I have a bad history with Souls games because I generally don't like getting my ass handed really, really consistently to me which is exactly what Souls games are. But my God, does Demon's Souls look so beautiful that I think I'm willing to take a gorgeous-looking ass-kicking once in a while. See, it's one of those games I wish I could get into Demon's Souls, um, but I don't have a lot of time to game, or you know, I don't have a lot of time to dedicate to a game that asks me to dedicate a lot of time to it. I don't have the time to, to get good. I, I kind of want to make progression as I'm playing, and I feel like I've tried some of the from games like i've tried sekiro and i was just you know it's a cool concept i get it i understand why people like it i just don't have the time to to commit to it so it's one of those it looks interesting from the outside but i've never gotten in um as for me i've been playing i i did play miles morales i really liked it um if you like spider-man ps4 you're gonna like miles morales but i feel like that's both it's positive and it's detriment um it's more spider-man ps4 which is great and it's also it's just more spider-man ps4 um i it's kind of does suffer from being a bit of a shorter game um you know it's not got the depth that the ps4 spider-man had in just the sense that it is a shorter game um i felt like there was constantly like we just kept moving and there was never any surprises or any sort of shocks or anything like that like you can see him a mile coming uh away no pun intended about miles but uh yeah, you can see see any surprises or twists and turns that come pretty obviously. Um, the powers are cool, but it it just it does more of what Spider-Man PS4 does. And I kind of feel like with the, I'm going to say lackluster expansion that we got, the uh, city that never sleeps, I, felt, I was kind of disappointed by that. And I feel like Miles Morales probably should have been the DLC that we got. Uh, and it would have been perfect for that. That being said, it's gorgeous. It looks great, but it doesn't really reinvent anything. So... Well, um, I, I'm hearing you talk about how like it's very much a lot in the same with when it comes to Spider-Man PS4, but I will ask you one important question. Um, yes. I don't recall there being a Spider-Cat in the original Spider-Man. Well, I mean, I guess technically by lore there was, you just never saw it. But uh, yeah, the cat is really cool. It's a, it's a neat little outfit, but I don't know if it was just how I play it, but it's something that comes out late in the game. So it's kind of more of like an end game or late game kind of skin. Super cool when it's there, but yeah, it, it takes a little while to get it Better done. Better late than never as far as I see it. That's true. So yeah, <laughs> it's a cool little feature. And Miles is cool. The characters are cool. Um, but I'm a classic Peter Parker kind of Spider-Man guy. So yeah. Uh, what about Bugsnax? I mean, I mean that's one way, that's... Like... Yeah, I was going to say, what about Bugsnax? That's one that's sitting on my hard drive that I haven't had a chance to open um, up yet. I've... I never finished it. I did look at what the ending is of it. I don't think Snacks is a bad game. I said it on um, another podcast that I run where it's a really, really fun game, but it's a kind of game that like I don't think I could play for eight hours, which is about as long as that game takes. It really felt like it should have been a four-hour game because it really is like Pokemon Snap just with a little bit extra to it, right? Yeah. But the charm is there. Like The fact that you have all these like 
food created animals that basically sound like Pokemon as they always do. It's because you got like, for example, there's one called Bunger, which is like a burger in its plastic like paper wrap or whatever. And it's got like curly fries as like its legs. And all it does is walk around going Bunger, 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 Bunger. And it's so adorable and it's ridiculously charming on a level that like even guys our age would still enjoy it. And then obviously if, if anybody has kids, you know, it's still great on that aspect. So it did end up becoming a game that I think is great for everybody. It's just one of those games that, and I'm sure anybody can think of a lot of names if you just think about it for half a second. It's that game that is really fun, but after doing it enough times, it doesn't matter how fun it was before. You just kind of like lose sight of it. And the story that it tells or tries to tell isn't really like enthralling enough to keep you past the repetition. I play JRPGs for a living and stories are pretty like I'm basically hitting fight and watching things happen and I can enjoy that. Bug Snacks doesn't do what to do that kind of stuff. It it goes for about four hours for me until it was like, ah, okay, I think I get the sense of this, but I'm good. But thankfully it was a free game, so I'm not gonna complain. Yeah, that's yeah, maybe it is one of those games that just it benefited from being prices right for what it was kind of thing. So um yeah that's one of the If things. I paid sixty dollars for it, oh there'd be there'd be different thoughts. Yeah, and I wonder if that's sort of been the reception is the fact that it's, you know, comes with the PlayStation Plus, it does make it a little bit better. Uh, one other game that I've been playing and I've uh, gotten the wife into as well is uh, Sackboy's Big Adventure. Have you tried this one? No, that's... I've, I looked at it. I don't think it's my cup of tea personally, but I can definitely see like anybody who's into platformers that that's a big one up their alley. Uh, Adam, it really does remind me game. of like Super Mario 3D World like on Wii U. Like the first that's, time I saw that, it looks exactly like that to me. It's 100% unashamedly like it's taking everything that you know we get from mario and we get from all those classic you know playstation platformers you know you got your jack and daxters and sly coopers it's just got that same sort of charm and i think kind of puts it up there with those classics um it's super super cute super crafty the levels are fun uh it takes like four or five minutes to get through a level but like easy to get through for kids and families uh my wife and i were trying to go through and like do all the no deaths collect everything and it's just a fantastic game. Um, probably one of, if not my favorite, uh, little Big Planet games. Uh, it's been a kind of a favorite at our household. And this one, I think, is a good evolution of the game. And I think it's, like I said, I think it's cemented in terms of one of the great platformers. Um, certainly for the PlayStation 5 in its early days. But I can't remember a platformer that does as well as this one does and all the buttons it hits. It's got that collectibles, it's got the challenges, but it's also just super accessible and easy to do. Um, so I'm really liking it. And it brings up another cool feature with the PlayStation is that um, those help cards that they have. So I don't know if you've ever, if you saw the pros that they do before, but if you're playing a yeah, game the, and you get the stuck- Yeah, the little like corner help. screens where you can see like the- Yeah, it's super awesome. So like we'll play a level a couple times and then we'll have one or two little orbs or collectibles that we're missing. And it just, you click on it, it tells you, it shows you exactly where it is in a short little 30, 40 second video. Super cool little feature. Um, sometimes I feel like I'm cheating in terms of watching it, but I mean, it's no different than looking at a, at a you know, walkthrough through like a, a guide. And I think it's nice that it's, you know, designed and more simplistic in the sense that you don't have to go and find a good review. Cause there's been tons of times where you go and you find a review that's just not well written and to have it right there at your fingertips is awesome. Well, it is nice, too, because, like, it depends on your kind of playthrough. If you're a guy that's, like, looking to get, you know, try to complete as much as you can, but you don't plan on going through it, like, multiple times, it works out perfectly that way. I did the same thing with Astros where I'd miss a couple of puzzle pieces. I'm like, how the hell did I miss that thing? And then I look at like, oh, I'm an idiot. Okay, cool. But, like, I I definitely wouldn't have done that and, like, gone through the entire game twice. So having that there, it also helps just even from the sense of, like, okay, I don't, I want to make sure I got as much as I could. I want to get the most out of that game. Whereas... You know, there are some games where I don't think it'll apply and it all depends on what the developers want to do because it's their choice to do it. But I think if it's done right, like it can definitely give people who, you know, just need that little extra bit of help. It just gives them something. Yeah, for sure. I don't see this as something that every publisher is going to do. It'll probably be, you know, Sony exclusive, Sony developed, Sony first party games. And you might have the odd one here or there that does it. But generally, I think it's going to be a Sony exclusive. But it's a cool little feature that I hope more more developers pick up on so yeah any other final thoughts in terms of you know ps5 you know first impressions what we think early on in the generation 
I don't care how big a boy it is. It's the goodest of big boys. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I do find I wish the hard drive was a little bit bigger. I know that that is going to um, eventually be expandable, but I do feel that the hard drive is a little tiny um, and it's a massive console. Like I have a pretty, pretty large cabinet for my consoles and it takes up a lot of room in it. So um, it's basically it's great. like it. about the same size as my desktop. Like it pretty much, it's like maybe like maybe a couple inches taller than, than my PC is. So it's, it doesn't yeah. feel too different to me, but yeah, I got the hard drive. It was, if it was just like 500 gigabytes, like bigger, I think I'd be okay. I can still make it work because I have no problem just taking games on my hard drive and reinstalling them. Cause I don't have a crappy internet connection, but it would be nice to have a little bit more, especially if the uh, the pricing that the next uh, SSDs that you can attach to it are going to be really expensive. That's that's the other worry too. Is you hope they don't cost you like two three hundred dollars just to get an extra terabyte. Yeah, for sure. I, it'll be interesting to see what the price is when it comes out, um, but I think it's something that's going to be definitely needed. So, cool. All right. Uh, next thing, uh, Ubisoft announces that they are in development for a Star Wars open world game. Uh, this comes from a small news outlet. You might have heard of it, IGN. Um, never heard of it. Ubisoft Ooh. is working on a, you know, you know, these small little upstarts. They're uh, they, they they're trying to make a name for themselves. I, I figured I'd give them a click. Uh, I mean, Ubisoft I gotta tell you, I, I hear a, about these uh, these these GameSpot guys. I think they might have a chance to. They might become something. You know, it's it's it, any one of them. You know, it's a it, it's anybody's game as to what what's going to happen with them. Um, so Matt TM Kim writes, Ubisoft is working on a story-driven open-world Star Wars game with Lucasfilm Games. The division developer, Ubisoft Massive, will develop the new game. Uh, according to Ubisoft CEO Yves Guillemot, it marks the start of a long collaborative uh, collaboration with Disney. Um, skipping through, uh, it's going to be using the Snowdrop engine. Um, and the interesting thing that it is going to be part of the canon timeline. Um, no indication has been given as to whether massive Star Wars game will be multiplayer or single player, and what part of Star Wars timeline it would be part of. Uh, so first off, Adam, how where are you in Star Wars? What's your thoughts on it? Where, where do you land as a Star Wars fan? I land at the point of, I remember when it used to be fun, and now I'm at the point of like, okay, uh, I'm on the fence. It's It's weird. Oh. I loved the old films, and I even like the original pre... I, I will get a lot of flack for this, but I actually didn't mind the prequels that much. And I really, really don't like the new movies. I really don't. And the, it's okay. weird because I used to hate Star Trek, the TV show, and I love the new films. So it's been this weird like change where now I'm a big Star Trek guy, and I can't stand Star Wars right now. Although I will say, I'm not a Disney Plus guy, so I haven't seen Mandalorian yet, and I've heard amazing things about that. So, yeah, so there's definitely that there game wise. It's been all over the place. I mean, it's like that with any licensed title. I mean, for every Knights of the Old Republic or every Rogue Squad Squadron, there is Battlefront and uh, Battlefront 2 and uh, basically everything EA's put out for the most part. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of people like Jedi Fallen Order. I personally hated it. I couldn't get into it. Why is that? And then I haven't tried out squadrons yet. Um, Fallen Order, I found that it had nothing to do with the gameplay. It's the fact that after like five hours, I was sitting there being like, okay, what am I doing? Who are these people? Why should I care? And after five hours, I went, I don't have an answer for any of this. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know who any of these people really are other than the fact that the one lady has her eyes extremely wide open for some reason, which is kind of unnerving. And other than that, like I, I, I really sat back and went, okay, I mean, this is like souls mixed with uncharted level gameplay and it's it's fun it's challenging but i'm not feeling anything and after five hours my expectation that is unless you are a jrpg which are notorious for taking hours to get going um i expect out of an adventure game to at least have a pretty good sense of where i stand after five hours and when i don't peace i'm out <laughs> see i'm the opposite i loved jedi style jedi fallen order i thought it was a perfect combination of you know it had like a dark souls and i'm saying that loosely because i know it wasn't i would almost say it's closer to like a god of war 4 kind of combat um you know where it's got that skill that dodge but i mean it's not super hard to do um mixed with that uncharted sort of you know popcorn flick i thought it was great uh i am a unapologetic star wars nerd and huge fanboy i've been since i was a small little kid and so you know, it comes and goes with every single movie, but for the most part, I have always been a Star Wars fan, and I am super excited for this. Uh, I thought Jedi Fallen Order was great. Rogue Squadron was a great game, awesome idea. Um, 
kind of wish it was flushed out a little bit more, but I really enjoyed it. Um, I do want to play the VR version of that because I've heard amazing things about that game in VR. That's the only way to play it, in my opinion. I I have a VR system, VR with my PS4, and I had it hooked up. And yeah, I tried going into just a regular, you know, non-VR game, and it was no, you can't go back to it. So best way to do it. The graphics do dip, but oh, it like I've never felt. More I mean, like, it's worth it when you can literally look around and be like, oh, that's space. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's totally the case. Like I. I have never felt more like an X-Wing pilot than playing Star Wars Squadrons in, in VR. Um, although, interestingly, I love the TIE Fighter. The TIE Fighter was the best one. <gasps> oh, yeah. No, it's totally... You fell for it. It's totally... You fell for the trap. They gave you the cookies and the red Kool-Aid. Yeah, you know, I'm not... I'm no rebel scum, so... Um, so, my question to you is, what about Ubisoft? Where are you as a Ubisoft player... What games have you played? Where do you fall in them as a developer? I was about to ask, I'm like, are we talking about their games or as a company? Because those are two completely different things right now. <laughs> in terms of in terms of games and their game development, what's your been in your experience with Ubisoft? I mean, most of it's been positive. I mean, it's like any other game company of that scale. You're gonna have your your dips and your highs, and you know, it's like Assassin's Creed Odyssey was great. I've heard from my buddy of mine that Valhalla is really, really good too. So that's something I'm waiting to get into somewhere down the road. Uh, Division, which ironically is where the, the uh, open world game is apparently going to come from. I'm of two different minds to it. I really love the Division as a concept and I did like it as a game, except it just after a while, it's it's like bug snacks. After a while, you just, you're like, okay, what else do you got for me? And then you realize that's it. But I mean, that's the problem with a lot of games as a live service games is that they just they run out of steam pretty quickly, especially one that's in real life where you can't really have like fancy outfits when when the fancy thing is, oh, this is a red winter toque. <laughs> and you're like, damn, that's good. Yeah. You know, it's... Do, do I want so, the I mean, red hoodie as, or as the a company hoodie? like Ubisoft's pretty cool. Like I despite what I think about the company themselves right now, which is a lot of very negative things from what they release. It's relatively good. So when I saw that they were getting a Star Wars chance, I'm like, I mean, it's not EA, so I'll take it. <laughs> I, I I could definitely think of other choices, but I mean, Ubisoft's not the worst one. It might be like still in the bottom half of the list, but it's not the bottom bottom. Ubisoft to me is like, not necessarily this chain, but it's like a chain restaurant. It's like McDonald's. You're not going to brag about it. It's not going to be the best meal you've ever had. But you know every time you go, you're going to get a decent game. You know, nothing's going to surprise you. Um, but it's not going to be terrible either. It's not like going to a fancy steakhouse. You're not going to be, you know, talking about this meal for, you know, months on end or whatever. But, you know, you're going to enjoy yourself while you have it. Um, and that's where I've been with Ubisoft. I love the Assassin's Creed franchise. Um, I did a little bit of Far Cry here and there. Um division i enjoyed once again i like the pandemic post-apocalyptic kind of society collapse atmosphere i mean not right now but yes i mean <laughs> it was cool when it was fantasy and i wasn't living the division <laughs> um but yeah I, I i've enjoyed for the most part ubisoft games um at least like their main sort of um their main staple tent poles so i guess my question i thought we could go through is kind of look at this project what do we think that this is going to be so i thought we could kind of look at some of their previous releases what we would want to see taken from their previous um releases and where we want to fit it like let's let's design our own ubisoft game so i think the first thing is, is do we see this being as a third person adventure or a first person are we going far cry or are we going like division three or sorry i mean ba based on the fact that it's probably the division guys i would think it's more likely to be third person I mean, just from a sense yeah. of like, it'd be very strange to go out of their element. Although then again, Bethesda's about to do an Indiana Jones game. So who knows? They're going way out of their element for that. So the Wolfenstein yeah, guys are about to sure. do Indiana Jones. So God only knows what's going to happen with that. So, I mean, if the Division guys are going to get Star Wars, the thing with Star Wars is you can go in in a million different directions. You could go fighter pilots. You could go Jedi. You could go bounty hunter. Like there's so many different elements to go that to kind of like say, you know, where it's going to go with like definitive, like, confirmation i don't think that's possible so it's more just playing the guessing game i would assume yeah. that they probably want to stick to what they're comfortable with so it would make me assume that it'd be third person it's just a matter of third person what see i think you're gonna have those typical ubisoft tropes like you're gonna have here's a bunch of towers go get the towers and discover more of the map so Space i towers. think it's gonna exactly i think it's gonna become more i think you're gonna be on a single world i i do think it's gonna be a third person game 
I think to be honest with like the the popularity of like the Mandalorian and all that, I could see it t- kind of taking place between the fall of the Empire and the rise of the First Order, um, because just with the Mandalorian, like that time frame is just really awesome right now. Um, I, think- I think it would make sense too, just because again, you strike while the iron's hot, right? Exactly. I mean, I would love to have like some crazy stuff where it's like way in the past, but I would rather give a different company than Ubisoft, like a game that's like the beginnings of the Jedi or something like that, where you get some really more interesting stuff. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are wishing for another Jedi Academy or something to that extent. So, or even another Knights of the Old Republic, but uh, I'm not really comfortable about whether or not Bioware is going to be around long enough to make one of those. So yeah, we'll, we'll see now in terms of like, do you think you're going to be playing as a Jedi in this game or no? Personally, I hope not just because I think it's too easy personally and then considering that fallen order already does that it's like okay it would make more sense to switch it up and because of mandalorian success i think it even makes more sense then to also go that route because not only would it be different from what most star wars games are it's also going in more of a popular direction that people will be happy about regardless so i think it makes sense to do like I'm not saying a Han Solo game or a Boba Fett game, but even just like if you want to create a brand new character and just even if it's a Mandalorian game, I, I don't think it matters regardless. But I would still want swing in the ways of like I want something original just because I feel like it would be too easy just to be like, OK, it's a Mandalorian game or, oh, it's a Han Solo game. I'd rather they do something to kind of set themselves apart because I think if Ubisoft's getting their first crack at a game, go all in and, and just try something. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I think, you know, doing something different, do original characters and stuff, I think that was one of the benefits of um, the Fallen Order is that you're not kind of pigeonholed that you have to have Han Solo and then do you design it to look like Harrison Ford and then you get like weird looking characters with weird voice actors. I mean, I don't know how much, you know, Troy Baker can do <laughs> a Han Solo. Um, but yeah, you can kind of, you get those weird things. Like I remember seeing Battlefront 2 and you've got Han Solo and it's like, okay, like I kind of see it, but it doesn't look quite like him. I think to kind of go in a post, you know, Return of the Jedi, kind of do an off-world kind of thing, like, I think that would kind of be the way to go. Um, what I would kind of, what I'm kind of thinking, and I'm not sure I'm 100% on board with this, is to kind of see, like, what the Division does with that single-player slash online world kind of thing where you can have friends drop in and drop out. Um, so you could have, theoretically, a squad, whether you're playing as the Rebels or the Empire or something like that, and then you can have a squad of them. So, I mean, think about it if you had like a world where you're sitting there, um, you know, the the emperor just fell, the empire's on its crumbles, and you're some sort of mercenary, and you've got a rebel f- force on this planet, and you've got the empire's force hanging on, and you as the mercenary can, you know, opt to join the rebels and kind of help sweep the empire off the planet, or you can kind of work with the empire to kind of help keep, you know, the rebels in check and kind of, you know, maintain order on that planet. So, I don't know, I kind of see like maybe that might be a route that they go with and then you can have your friends jump in and join you as a squad and you can kind of jump between both forces or something like that my only concern with that would be again and it just comes off like the division and obviously as a i used to play way too much destiny so i've been into that a lot and then obviously seeing how avengers ended up turning out to be i don't know if the public right now wants to hear a game at a game as a live service star wars that's my one concern because there's no proven commodity for that anymore i mean a lot of people will just point at destiny because it's it's still the one that's going and still going decently strong but realistically at this point very very few people are trying destiny now like if you're playing destiny right now you've been playing destiny since the beginning i don't think they're they're establishing a massive new fan base and i think it's i think a lot of people now are just looking at these kind of games being like okay this is going to be fun in six months when they actually make stuff for it because every time and as a guy who played destiny one and two played division one and two um and play the demo for avengers a new hell enough to get the hell away from that um those games are fun until you get to the end and then there's nothing and i mean nothing so all four of those cases for for both destinies and both divisions as much as i enjoyed all of those games as soon as you get the end game you're done and you're sitting there being like what did i just spend all this time and money for yeah so i think a lot of people now be kind of become sort of used to seeing that and i don't think they go if ubisoft came and said oh here's our game as a live service uh star wars games a lot of people would be like oh i guess i'm not getting that day one now yeah which i I don't think is a great business strategy at this point i'm not thinking in terms of like a destiny kind of clone or doing like that sort of games as a service but having that component almost kind of like 
and I know the, the the most recent one is not a good example, but almost like a Ghost Recon, Recon Wildlands, where it's you can play the game at, by yourself or you can play the game, you know, with your friends and kind of see. You could do either one. Full campaign story. It's just whether you play it, you know, squat it up, or if you play by yourself uh, as a single player. Because I played the Division primarily by myself. I played Ghost Recon Wildlands primarily by myself. Every now and then I'd have friends jump in and play, but I mean, for me, it was a single player game. So I just, I know Ubisoft style and they're all about that Ubisoft connect, you know, having your friends join in. And I kind of wonder if that's going to be something that trickles in with this Star Wars game as well. If they go with the Ghost Recon, like Wildlands or Breakout or Breakpoint, whichever one it was, um, it would probably be a better solution than going the Division route. The only thing is, again, with Ubisoft having his track record too, if it was very much like Ghost Recon, then a lot of people would now look at Breakpoint as, oh, that's when they just threw a bunch of microtransactions in there and the game was completely useless unless you were spending money on it. So again, it's it's right now in that in that thing where they got to be very careful on how they do it. Now, if they just come out and straight up say, oh, but it's just a single player, like open world, like Assassin's Creed like adventure, that's different. I think people would be more than open to that. If it takes the multiplayer element into it, I think a lot of people are going to be put off just because of the track record that Ubisoft has had with both Division and Ghost Recon. Not to mention most other games that fall into that spectrum as well because there has not been really that good game. I'm hoping down the road, um, have you heard of Outriders, the one that uh, people can fly in Square Enix are working on? No. So they're doing a similar thing where it's almost like if Destiny was Gears of War in third person. So they're trying their version of it. And if that goes well, I mean, it would be nice to have, you know, at least an example to go, okay, see, those games can work. But I think right now we're in this state where a lot of people are very suspect about it, not to mention most games that you either licensed or have a lot of hype behind them have been kind of lackluster if it's not a first party like Sony game or something right now. So I think almost anything would make people kind of take a step back and be like, look, I got to see a little bit more first. I might wait for reviews. I At least I hope people do because you should wait for reviews. (laughs) But... I, I mean, any concept that they can really come up with, I think is interesting just to have the Star Wars label attached to it. It just becomes a, okay, now you've told me what it is, now show me. And that's yeah. going to be really where it makes the difference in the end. Yeah, I think, to be honest, we're, like, we're still, I think they're saying it's released 2023, so we've got a couple years before. Well, they can't anyway, because EA owns the license to uh, re- releasing Star Wars games for the next two years anyway, so. Yeah. No, I think I think it's going to be something we're going to have to wait and see. But you know, I'm excited. Like I said, Ubisoft doesn't always, you know, they're not necessarily always the best games, but they're definitely always fun games that you don't regret playing. And so, with a few exceptions here and there, but I've generally been really positive and excited for how um, Ubisoft games turn out. And I'm excited to see what they do with the Star Wars game. I mean, you can probably count on unlike biting some catastrophic failure, which is always possible at this point based on uh, how even the greatest games that should have existed, Cyberpunk 2077, could also go downhill. So uh, yeah, it, it could go either way, but you could honestly count on them to probably release a 7 or an 8 out of 10 level game. It's just a matter of, is it a single player 7 or 8 out of 10 where you get like a bunch of hours out of it and you kind of feel like you get your money's worth? Or is it the kind of game that it's a 7 or 8 out of 10 if you have friends to play with, otherwise it's not that fun? Which is yeah. kind of like the... Kind of like the crossroads you stand at, so. Yeah, so we have to wait and see. There's still lots of time, and I'm sure we're gonna be hearing more in the in the days to come. So I'm just excited that we're getting like more Star Wars potential now because it's been a very weird um, placement with because EA has not done very good with the license for the time that they've had it. Obviously, the two Battlefronts were absolute disasters. Um, Jedi, although Jedi Fallen Order and Squadrons came out really well, there was also the mobile game that people have notoriously called one of the worst examples of. Uh, cash cow like like just milking people up for their money so i think the legacy that ea is currently leaving on the license not to mention like the cancel games they left in their wake they were supposed to be 1313 um amy hennig uh, formerly from uncharted uh was supposed to be working on something too and that never happened and i think there was one more that was canceled i just can't for the life of me remember what it was but most people are going to remember the worst of it which is obviously the cancellations and and not 1313 um battlefront 2 and it's absolute fucking mistreatment of its audience so the unfortunate part is that unless they come up with something really amazing to cap off their contract i think most of us are just going to look at 2023 as okay now we have a chance to really see what star wars can possibly do in this new age of gaming especially now with these new consoles yeah i imagine that ea we're probably going to see one last you know we're going to see a sequel to jedi fallen order and that'll probably be that'll probably be that for them and i think to be honest it's one of those 
you know, they started out rough and it was rough for the most part, but I think they're going to finish out strong at the end. Um, at least I thought so with, you know, Rogue Squadron or yeah, Star Wars Squadron and then uh, and then the Jedi Fallen Order games. So, yeah. All right. Anything else on the please, Star Wars Ubisoft collaboration? Please, Bioware. Please make Dragon Age and whatever Mass Effect stuff you're doing good enough that we can trust you for another Knights of the Republic because bloody hell do I miss that series. That's you know all. What? I think honestly, I'd be. I think if you know if Dragon Age doesn't like stick the landing, I think you're gonna see a nice kind of like a last, you know, last gasp. Well, they're they're they're, they're gonna make a they're gonna make a uh, trilogy sequel to Mass Effect, and I immediately go, I hate you guys. How dare you bring this back to me after Andromeda? But um, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see what happens because you know EA has no track record of just destroying companies in their wake that they buy. So. Unless yeah. you respawn and then in some way you like end up being the anomaly, like you just make amazing stuff even though you're under EA's umbrella, which is just unheard of. Yeah, I mean, but to be honest, that's yeah, they, they have a tendency of taking fantastic studios and getting one or two gems and then squeezing out of them. I know that they did that for uh, they, they were the ones that bought Westwood back in like the 90s for Command and Conquer, yeah. right? Like Westwood yeah. used to be like the pinnacle of, you know, real time strategy. I'm blanking We're on the name of the topic. company, but the Dead Space guys were the big one too. That was a that was a huge yeah. letdown for a lot of people. So no, I know I know they they don't have a great track record of keeping the talent within certain developers. No. Um. All right, moving on. Uh, gaming and quarantine. So yeah, if you haven't heard, uh, there's a little bit of a bug going around right now, uh, that is throwing the world in a bit of a chaos. Um, we're all you know, being kept indoors, kept to ourselves. And for most of us, we may not have noticed that that has been the case, but yes, for the rest of the world, they are to being told to stay inside. Um, so what that means for us is we now have an excuse to not have to do social obligations. And that theoretically gives us more time for gaming. So Adam, let me ask you in the past year with quarantine, what has gaming looked like for you? About the same, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> Um, are, you, are you finding are you finding that with the quarantine like are you kind of like getting through your backlog and getting to the point where like i've got nothing to play like i should try this game that i've never played before oh i've got words my friend um all right I'll, let's go. I'll, I'll get I'll, I'll get to my rant in a moment but I'll, I'll answer the question in a little more earnesty to begin with um for the most part <laughs> it hasn't changed a lot because i mean Apart from like small things that I would do, like obviously I go to the bar with with my friends like once or twice a week. I go hang out with other people. I sometimes I play co-ops or co not co-op, <laughs> co-ed sports like softball, floor hockey, that kind of stuff to stay active. So there would be things here and there that would cut out some of my time. Now I basically go to work in the morning, come back here, and I play and I play. So that's been the yeah. most of it. So the only thing that's really changed is just how many extra hours I have, which you know adds a lot. It also kind of screws up the backlog a little bit because now you get through games a little bit faster than you intended. But I'm not the guy who uh, sits there and complains that there's nothing to do when I realize that there's a massive backlog of free games that I keep getting from PlayStation, from Epic, from Steam sometimes, from uh, Xbox Game Pass on PC, where there's just there's a lot of options. And even then, like I'll take a chance on something or even re replay some stuff. Had it not been for the quarantine, there's a lot of stuff that I never would have taken a look at, whether it's AAA or indie. It just it gives me the chance to take a chance on something, which is definitely something I wouldn't have done when I had much more limited time than what I used to. Yeah, no, I'm I'm somewhat in the same boat. I mean, obviously, the the obvious answer is yes, there's been more time for gaming. Um, but I, to be honest, I'm kind of surprised that there hasn't been as much time for gaming as I would have thought. I mean... I feel like with, you know, my, my family now being home and, you know, not having editing to do, like, them being home, I, I as much as, you know, yeah, we're home more, like, I'm spending more time with them, which is an awesome thing. So it's not as much uh, more gaming time as I, you know, you might anticipate, but I am finding, like you, I'm getting a chance to go into uh, backlogs, try games I haven't played before, go for Platinums. That I'm not typically a trophy guy, um, but I've managed to, you know, get quite a few now with quarantine going through. So you mentioned that there were some games that you kind of discovered or, you know, maybe went to that you wouldn't have thought. So what have been some kind of like hidden gems or some exploring that you've done in terms of games or genres? And what what's your thoughts? The one that really comes to note immediately, and this is a game that I never would have taken a crack at had I not been for this when I have all these 
other options. Because, I mean, I have a shelf full of stuff that I can go through. My backlog on PlayStation is what it is. But then, obviously, I got a, I got a new PC around, like, April, May. And I'm like, okay, Xbox uh, has uh, the Game Pass on for a stupid price. It was, like, a dollar a month for a long time before they finally uh, changed the price over. And I'm like, screw it. There, I'll, I'll take a crack on a couple of things that just look interesting to me. And one that I found that I, I would never have touched had I not gotten it for such a stupid price of $1 a month was a game called CrossCode. And what okay. it is, is essentially, if you took Secret of Mana back from like the Super Nintendo days and put that today, but you're playing within a video game. So it's like almost like you're trapped in a video game that's kind of like Secret of Mana. And it's it's some of the most fluent combat I've ever played. has some really really good 2D parkour elements, which I was not expecting, and some puzzles that are actually, like, relatively challenging. Thank God they gave me a way to make certain puzzles, like, have a longer timer so I don't have to suck on them so hard. But (laughs) um, most importantly, for a game that doesn't have voice acting, and for a game that really is, it's, it's 2D, so you're not even really getting, like, full emotions, it has some of the most charming characters and some of the most emotional storytelling that I've seen in a long time in a game that really didn't seem to have any business having it. There are a few moments where it's like, holy crap, like, I can feel, like, my heart, like, beating a little bit faster or even just, like, I can feel, like, my face, like, getting a little bit, like, shaky because I'm, cause I'm, like, not, like, crying edge, but, like, oh, man, like, this really, this really does something. That was something that I had no expectation of. And and again, like like I said, like that's the kind of stuff that really made me open my eyes to like, man, I really should take a stab at something that I wouldn't normally, especially around these times when I have all this extra time to work with, especially now because we keep looking at the release schedule and it's barren. So, you know, there is so much room now unless you're playing like MMORPGs or anything that's going to take you like hundreds and hundreds of hours if you're just playing shorter games, like this is the perfect time to just try something and get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And talking about getting out of your comfort zone, that's exactly what it's been like for me. I mean, I'm still playing my usual single player story driven games that I love, but I've found that I've been dabbling a lot more in multiplayer games more than I ever used to. So I know uh, like Ghost of Tsushima, that game, when it came out with its DLC, like the, not the DLC, but like, it's online multiplayer component. Like I was huge into that. Absolutely loved it. Um, when fall guys came out back in, uh, August, like I was playing that for a month or two. That was super fun. Oh yeah. It was such, it came out at like a perfect time. Like we're all inside. We're not doing anything. Nothing really coming out. So like, I thought that game came out at a great time. Even just playing something like among us, among us has become like my new social gaming experience with all of our friends. Even I got, I got a group I play every week with. Yeah, even like even your friends who don't play uh, Among Us, it's great just to have them, you know, they've got a phone and you just say, hey, download this. It's three or four buttons and you just go around killing your friends. And I know it's become like a, a, a group game for us to play. It's so easy, so intuitive. And once again, through the mobile app, it's free. So it's like perfectly priced. So And even yeah, then on Steam, it's like five bucks. So even then it doesn't dent your wallet. No, no, not at all. And like, I think they know exactly what they've got on their hands. And I think that that game has benefited hugely, maybe even more than any, any game in terms of here's a quarantine. You've got nothing to do. Go kill your friends on a spaceship. So perfect. Who, who knew that the game to wreck your friendships is the one that's saving it? Well, I mean, Mario Kart can't always be the one doing it. You know, sometimes you got to pass, you, gotta, you can't always be the villain. You have to have someone else take it up. So yeah. Um, any other sort of surprises or any hits that have kind of crept along one? I forgot to mention, um, uh, I played Hollow Knight over the quarantine, and that one was a game oh, that yeah. never would have taken a look at. It's not my kind of thing. Um, and I was surprised. I enjoyed it for the most part. Uh, much bigger than I thought it was, and I got definitely lost several times, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, you? the only other one that comes to mind, because most, most of my gaming time has been with games that I'm already like relatively used to. I mean, there's like a bunch of here and there. Like, I've played a lot of like really short like puzzle games and stuff, but for the most part, like if I'm talking like the ones that really did something, Crosscode is the first one. The other one is uh, Tell Me Why, which is Don't Nod's uh, latest uh, chapter-based like story game, made by the same guys who do Life is Strange. For those who don't know the company name, so this game again, very much like a lot of you know your your chapter like point and click like choose your own adventure kind of games, um, like. 
like I said, Life is Strange, The Walking Dead ones, like basically all the Telltale stuff, your Batman, uh, Tales from the Borderlands, um, Wolf Among Us, all those like that. Tell Me Why is shorter. It's only three chapters instead of like most games usually doing five. Uh, each chapter is about three hours a piece, so you can finish the whole thing in a day if you want, or you can just, you know, play a chapter every night and kind of get through that. And for a game to basically be about, you know, a brother and sister, or I guess technically at the time a sister and sister, and then one of the sisters is now trans, is now a male. And, you know, they're sitting out in like some crazy little small town out in Alaska, and they're going back and reliving their childhood through their old family home, which has some pretty bad memories to it. And it works out to be this nine hour, like nine to 10 hour story that has a little bit of mystery to it, a lot of emotion to it, and really something that doesn't demand a lot of your attention apart from just your ears and your eyes. It doesn't, it doesn't take like, you're not doing crazy combos or anything. You're not having to worry about dodging stuff. It's just go walk around, take in the views, try to like just take another piece out of that puzzle and kind of and put it into place. And slowly but surely, you know, get a little bit further in. And it's very well voice acted. And the pacing, it can it can go both ways. There are some, like, the first chapter in itself is a masterpiece. I love the first chapter. It does everything you want to. It introduces everything. Gives you just enough mystery that by the time it flips the, the last little switch on at the end, you go, oh, crap, what the hell's going to happen next? And then it, it still keeps it going. The ending is a little suspect towards you know, what you were hoping for, but it's it's like a lot of games that you play. You don't always get what you want. You, you sometimes get the ending that probably makes more sense in the end instead of the one that you were hoping for. I imagine sure. Firewatch is one that a lot of people, if they played Firewatch, know exactly what that kind of feeling is, where you're, you're expecting one thing and you get the polar opposite of that. But um, as a, again, a game that I wouldn't normally go too deep in, I did play the original Life is Strange and kind of liked it, but it was another one of those things where it's, the choose-your-own-adventure story games can go both ways. They can either be really good because, again, you're focused on just the story, so it can do a really good job of telling that. It's just if it doesn't, the whole thing just falls apart because it's not like there's much gameplay to save it. So when the story sucks, the whole thing sucks. Yeah, so that's kind of the, the reason why I stay away from them when I can. Yeah, it's held up by, by one sort of major pull, and if it doesn't have the sturdy base, then yeah, it's going to... Yeah, like a, if a Call of Duty game story isn't all that great, you don't really care as long as the gunplay is good. But in the case of like something like Tell Me Why, like you better be telling a good story. Otherwise, what am I supposed to be doing? Because yeah. walking around and hitting A is not going to make me love your game much more. Not not the most compelling of gameplay. So yeah. I hit that A button really hard, though, man. Oh, well, I mean, that's the only way you have to. I mean, everyone knows that the, the, the strength that you hit the button with you know, indicates how much damage it does so. well yeah you know you got to make sure that you got to move with the speed so that way you know you feel like you're dodging faster and it's just science that's how and, the it and the louder you yell the better you're gonna get that that one's the that oh. one's the easiest one to say that that's total truth and not absolute garbage for sure well adam i think this has been our best episode yet i mean has it I don't know. I, I think that I like mean, negative like seventh episode might have been really good. You know, the one in the ether that like we don't even know we did. The the parallel universe episode. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No. I, like I said, I think it's been a good start. Um, any. I, I sort will of say one more thing though, since we were talking about the quarantine. Yeah, go for it. Um, I've seen a lot of people because I mean I frequent social media, Reddit, Twitter, all the like. I've seen a lot of people say, "Oh, this sucks. There's nothing to do." I just want to remind everybody that a hundred years ago, the last time there was a serious pandemic, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have television. We didn't have internet. We didn't have video games. You might be taking what we have for granted. So um, in this day and age where if you own a PlayStation, you get free games every month. If you own Xbox, you get free games every month. Not to mention a subscription service that's really good. You notice how I didn't mention the PlayStation one. That's because it's not very good. So we don't talk about that one. Um... Steam has amazing sales. Uh, you also get Xbox and Game Pass and PC, and Epic gives you free games every week, if not every day, for a little while. Um, gaming alone, you have no excuse to be completely bored. I've seen a lot of people say, I don't have anything left to play. The correct answer is you played everything that you wanted to play. Now it's time for you to go and find something to play. I think a lot of us get caught in this thing of, we're told what to get into, and I think a lot of people are just like, 
they're lost in that because there's no new news. Like there's no games coming out that people are like, well, there's nothing else. It's like, dude, there's thousands of games you've never heard of. Take a shot at something. Yeah. PlayStation has demos, for example. Go take a shot at some demos and find stuff. There are a couple games I found on there that I haven't got around to playing it, like Coffee Talk, which is this uh, $15, $20, like, 16-bit sort of game where it's just you in this fantasy world as a barista, but it's, again, the story aspect of it that seems really interesting. Uh, what, what was the other one? Uh, Moving Out, which, are, which is made by the guys who do oh. Overcooked, which is... Another like thing that I probably wouldn't take a look at with the demos are such a huge thing. I really, really hope that demos become a consistent thing again on PlayStation. I want that so badly because you will never get a shot to understand what a game is unless you get a chance to play it. Most people will never look at certain games because if you don't see it, if IGN, oh, sorry, little known like uh, news publication, IGN.com, if they don't talk about it, a lot of people just don't care. Yeah. And... I hope that what the pandemic does is it gives people a chance to take a look at things they wouldn't normally, especially for the independent developers that are busting their ass, making some incredible stuff, and people just don't know it's there. No, I definitely think that uh, video game demos are something that I wish would come back. I mean, I know I found gems that I would not have played before. Even there's games that I, like, I try and get my like my nephew or my wife or whoever to, to play, and it's I, I don't want to drop. 20, 30 bucks in the hopes that they'll play it. Whereas if I have a demo, great, I can get it. I can try it, see if they like it. And even still with kids, like you just, you, you, you have a demo, they can play that thing for hours. I remember I was a kid and playing the same demo for time and time again. And that was yeah, fun. Yeah, like the freaking old PlayStation demo disc you can exactly. play all the time on the originals. Like that stuff you can go forever with. Exactly. So, no, I definitely agree with you. I think, I hope the, the demos come back and they make a difference. So, cool. And even this, just well, then, like, it's 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 a crazy world out there, but guys, like we're in the tech age. There's so much stuff to do. Let's let's not try to pretend that there's nothing. When there's like and a million subscription you- services and all these games on the friggin' world, not to mention Spotify, which can give you all the music you want and podcasts up the wazoo, so you can have hours and hours of stuff to do. It's just guys, like you, you just gotta look. You got you gotta take a chance at something. That's all. You can always read a book too. So. Yeah, oh, like, lots of options. No, there. that's that, that's that's out of my range. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this has been the first episode of the Pixel Play podcast. Once again, I am Kalen, aka Catastrophe, and my co-host has been Adam, aka CS Radical. Thank you guys for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye now.